you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Good morning. Good morning, Josh. Glad we got Hello. here. Small, small technical difficulties, but we're rocking and rolling now. We got it. Let me get you on the comments. We got people from CLA. I'm sure going to be popping in to say hi to us. How are you doing today? You good? I am fantastic. Or at least where no you at? Where you, where you live at? I live in southern New Jersey. Oh, you're so you were in New Jersey, right where I was. So when we were doing that yeah. book club, you 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 didn't even have to stay in the hotel. You got to go nope. home. Yeah, that was about 15 minutes from my house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just, Yeah, that's the way to go. That's for sure. So, well, let me tell you, let me, let me, you sent me a little bio. I want to make sure I read this to you, give you the, the, the respect due to you. And then we'll get going on. Um, I got some questions. I've got kids in college. I wish I would have met you before, but we will discuss a little bit on how, what, what, how, how I navigated. And then you tell me cool. how I did. Okay. But today we got Josh Aronovich. He's a graduate of George Washington University and Harvard Law School. Oh, man. See, I'm going to have to make sure I'm on point now. I didn't the Harvard <laughs> Law is like, wait a minute. I didn't know he was that smart. He you lives know, in southern New Jersey. Things, one of the things I've learned <laughs> is there's a big difference between education and schooling. <laughs> and some folks have a lot of schooling and others have a lot of education. <laughs> that's, that's true. In 2008, he left law practice to launch Aronovich Coaching Experience. Since then, he has helped over 1,600 teens and 20 and 20 somethings transform their lives. He helps them get into colleges, grad schools of their dreams by mastering standardized testings like SAT, LSATs, and more, while becoming more powerful learners and leaders. He also coaches students on navigating the college admissions process with more joy and less stress on finding their their path, purpose, and passion in life. His team leadership coaching program, the Empowered Leadership Circle, is currently accepting applications. He is the Amazon best-selling author of The College of Their Dreams, What Every Parent Needs to Help Their Teens. Looking forward to this today. Me too. Josh. Quite a quite a uh, quite a bio there. Glad glad that I get to get to spend some time with you and 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 get from your wisdom. So I have college kids. You're right about that. I was a single dad. How I navigated it was all my kids went to a, a two-year school locally, which is very affordable, and got all the GEs out. And uh, one stopped there. That's what she wanted to do. And then she's went off to do some trade stuff. And then one is going to be graduating now um, in spring. He's getting a bachelor's. He went on to go to CSUN and got a bachelor's. And then my oldest boy, 
<laughs> this is his college. You ready for his college? I said, son, what are you going to do in college? He goes, dad, I want to have some fun. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to get, I said, well, what are you getting a degree in? He goes, recreational management. And I said, okay, so what does that mean? He goes, I get to go wakeboarding and uh, diving and cave, going into caves. Spelunking. Yep. And I just said, and that's what he did. And he just had the best, he just had the best time in college doing that. Luckily for me, you know, some of the grants that we got, I saved all monies that my kids got, any grant monies they got and in the, in the state kind of took care of tuitions and stuff. So, you know, they got to graduate college debt-free and have some money in their pocket because I just wouldn't let them use it. I think people frivolously spend their money on, on cars or Nintendo games, uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And so they stayed local. They didn't really go. So we didn't have cost of out of state cost, but that's how I navigated the college thing. But now, you know, my daughter's wanting to kind of go back. She went and with the psychology thing, but she's, she wants to explore the art world. That's really what her passion mm -hmm. is. And so when you, when you're helping those out, when do you start, when do you encourage parents to start the process of what that looks like? Junior high, high school, when do you encourage the process to get going? So the, the short answer and, and sort of the, the sarcastic answer is now. Uh, no matter how old their kid is, the time to start the process is now. But in reality, it's true because wherever you're at, you're exactly where you need to be. If you're a senior and you weren't focused on the college thing. Maybe you have a kid who was struggling and wasn't sure he was even going to graduate. The time is never too late to start to think about college and what you want to do next in your life. And even if college is the right fit for folks that are more overachiever types, for folks that have ambition, that want to go to an elite school, then the right time to start is really freshman or sophomore year. It's There's no such thing as starting too early as long as you do it in a way that isn't about adding stress. It's mm. not about putting pressure. It's about helping your child to explore who they are, who they want to be, and how that translates to what they want to do. And those conversations, if handled right, are never too early. So a lot of the kids I'll work with, with the SAT side, because even though some schools are test optional, test optional doesn't mean what most people think it means. It means you can apply without it, not necessarily that you can get in without it. And for schools that are even moderately selective, test optional is all about getting people with crappy SAT scores to apply anyway, because then they'll just reject them and they'll boost their numbers of how many people apply, which makes them look more selective. So for those kids, getting an early start on the SATs is crucial, because by starting early, you can take it as many times as you want to. And each time you take it, you learn from it, you grow from it. Each question you get wrong becomes an opportunity to figure out why you got it wrong, what you need to do differently to get it right, and get it right the next time. So all the kids that start with my program freshman, sophomore year, and keep coming back each time they take the SATs and keep getting higher and higher, and that's how I've gotten to an average score increase of 249 and a record of 550. So with the SAT side, I offer unlimited free repeats so people can start early and not have to pay more. On the college admissions side, on the figuring out where they want to go, what they want to do, those conversations usually start in sophomore or junior year. But again, the earlier the better, because I can help kids figure out how to lean in to the things they love 
in ways that not only look good for admissions and applications, but more importantly, help them get more joy out of the whole high school experience. Well, so Josh, you so you you graduated Harvard Law. So obviously you were an attorney, correct? Yes. Yeah, what I like to call you... myself a recovering attorney. <laughs> That's listen, when you need them, they are gold. Mm -hmm. You know, and so they it's 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 like going to the dentist, man. You just you regret having to go in the office and what it's gonna cost. But the outcome usually is pretty good. So, Absolutely. You and know, if you so, put it off when you need it, it ends up costing you 10 times as much that's money and pain. Yeah there's, nothing, yeah, there's nothing good about it. So obviously you, you know, you went to school for that. What made you decide that, you know what, I'm going to be a coach. I want to help. I want to help people with, with college and, and stuff like that. What made you go ahead and go that route? So crazy enough, I went to law school, never really fully wanting to be a lawyer. I went to law school, quite frankly, because most presidents went to law school. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be president when I grew up. So I went to law school. It was the path of least resistance. It was that next shiny brass hoop to jump through. And I loved law school. I loved debating ideas. I liked the intellectual challenge of it. I liked the people I met. But when I actually started law practice, again, not fully what I intended, but the money was good. The job offers were there. And I started working for a great firm in Chicago. But I realized pretty quickly that I liked it, but I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. And it fed my wallet, but it didn't feed my soul. And I was doing private equity, mergers and acquisitions, sort of big corporate deal type stuff, like sort of like flipping houses, but flipping companies and writing those contracts. So it was proofreading 300 page merger agreements till three in the morning. It was negotiating the deals. It was working with sort of the business guys, but it was... 20% of it was great, was the relationships, was the negotiating, was the complexity. But the other 80% was dotting I's, crossing T's, was that grunt detail work. And I can do that work. I'm good at it, but I get no joy from it. So I realized, do I really want to keep working 60 to 90 hours a week for the rest of my life doing work I don't love to make rich people richer? Like, no. So I ultimately moved from Chicago back to my hometown in South Jersey, worked for a firm in Philly for a little over a year. And I said, you know what? It's not the firm. It's This is not my calling. So I mm -hmm. gave my two weeks notice and I'm like, well, shit, what do I do now? So yeah. I gave some time. I did some soul searching. I'd saved some money. And I realized that when I had been happiest work-wise was when I was paying my way through law school, teaching LSAT classes. Now, the LSAT sort of the older, meaner, angrier brother of the SAT is the standardized test to get into law school. And I worked about 30, 60 hours a week while I was in law school. And that paid for half a law school, teaching LSAT classes. And I realized that I loved, I don't love standardized tests. They're ridiculous. They're stupid. They shouldn't count as much as they do. But I loved understanding what made them tick and then understanding what made my students tick, how they think, how they learn, how they process information, how they need to shift their mindset in order to be able to master these standardized tests, which are way easier than they look on the surface. And I loved it. I loved the 5 a.m. text. Oh, my God, I got into Stanford. I got into Harvard. Uh, I went up 20 points on the LSAT. And I called up my old boss. I'm like, all right, can I license your content and do test well LSAT coaching in South Jersey and Philly? No. He said, I'm, no? What do you mean no? I'm not used to <laughs> saying no when it's important. And he's like, I wish I could, but I can't even do that. 
I gave these other folks right of first refusal when I was drunk and I can't oh. get it back. And I can't even teach in those areas. I can only teach in Boston, New York. I'm like, all right, well, crap. So I thought about it and I'm like, I can't do my own LSAT thing at this point. Because back then it had only been five years since I was in law school teaching his stuff. I didn't want to accidentally steal his property and do it his way. So instead I shifted to SATs. And I pretty well known in my town. I had actually run for mayor in 2008. Thank God I didn't win that election. Uh, I was not ready. And I ran against someone who'd been in town council for 12 years, had all the support, all the organization, all the money. Somehow came within 500 votes, which shocked the hell out of everybody. Uh, but glad I didn't win that election. I was not ready for that kind of responsibility at that point. So went SATs. Took every practice test in the market, read every book, developed my own approaches and strategies, and started around my 12th grade health teacher's dining room table with her daughter and two of her friends. And I went from those three kids in October of 2008 to almost 1,700 since. And I love it. I love, I don't love the SAT. The SAT is just a context. It's just an excuse. It's an excuse to help people grow. It's an excuse to help people choose their growth and become more powerful versions of who they are. That's why I feel like you're a kindred spirit, because the, what you do in the martial arts world, I do in the college prep, standardized test prep, career and life coaching world. I help people figure out who they want to be and what they need to do to get from here to there. Yeah, that I think that's I think you are definitely in kindred spirits, because in a martial arts world, we're trying to work on mindset for you to overcome the objections as that that hit you on on a daily right or the or the bullying for say or if you're smart you know you made fun of if you're smart you made fun of if you're stupid mm -hmm. you made fun of if you're fat if you're skinny it doesn't really matter yep. you need to develop this the strength in your mind it isn't it awesome that you use a martial arts to uh make you feel like you can do things right because i often say this as in in my world I think it's even true, like true in a kindred spirit way. That, that's really good that you said that because if you're not educated, right, hard time to read and all that kind of stuff, and you go into a room of people, you already feel like pressure and, mm -hmm. and all that that goes with it, right? Like, I'm not worthy of being here. Well, I think that a lot of people walk around if they have no sense of self-defense or, they, you know, if something happens and I couldn't defend myself or I couldn't defend my loved ones, they walk around the same way. Mm -hmm. They walk into a, a thing with, you know, I don't walk into a room, you know, I walk into a room and I start picking out people uh, uh, that, you know, where I'm going to sit and how I'm going to deal with something, you know, it's just kind of a weird mindset that that i have but that's just what i'm that's that's just how i'm built and so same thing with the, i think with education when you feel like you can't read well and you're in a group i think that, that's really good that you that I, i'm gonna i'm gonna use that a little bit more it's really it's about helping people figure out how to go from a place of fear and low self-worth to a place of confidence that they can handle any situation and where they truly feel like they're in charge of their lives and their future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, de definitely. That's that yeah, definitely. I think that I think for sure what your the coaching isn't it fun to coach those kids too, by the oh, way. It's amazing. I love it because it's about really I I say it like this. I have this unique double vision where I can truly see someone as they are.
and make them feel seen, which is so important. But I can also see them as they're capable of growing into. I can see them as they'll get to once they develop, once they own their own power. And being able to help plant those seeds and plant those breadcrumbs and lead them to where they're capable of growing into and beyond is such a privilege, such a gift. And it's just, it's so much fun seeing where my former students are a year, five years, 10 years later, as they go through life and develop and seek on new challenges. I love when my SAT students come back to me for help getting into law school, to med school, to business school. Well, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for almost 15 years. I started in October, 2008. So now you're 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 15 years into it because I know in my world, so I, I've had my school going on 33 years, right? Nice. And so I I also, now I get, you know, I get students that I taught kids now coming in yes. and uh, it'll be the next generation of the kids, kids, kids coming in to do yes. and they remember what, how they felt when they were going through or they're getting black belts and, and, and what martial arts meant to them. And now they're, they have their children here. So you're, you're starting to come up on that, on I that am, same, I am. on that same and thing. What's fun too. So I have a one, two of my newest clients. One of them is the adult daughter of my 12th grade Spanish teacher who is uh, prepping for the school leadership practice. It's a test to become a principal or assistant principal. Uh, and another new client is actually the parent of a former client, um, 60 year old gentleman who's going back to college to get his associate's degree. And his last class is macroeconomics and not having had algebra in 40 years uh, <laughs> needs a little bit of support. Which is awesome. <laughs> you know, it's so uh, I I did a class. I don't know. It's It's been it's been 10 years now, but I went back to school with my um, my girlfriend and I, you know, that we, we went back to school awesome. and I, it was, we did a personal finance class. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so we felt that, you know, this will be this will be safe, you know, and we'll learn some stuff and let's see what it's like to be back in school. And was did just watching the young kids on just how inexperienced they are in life mm. or what, where they think we had a really good teacher though, but it was, you know, you know, you know me, if you know me, if you've been around me, you know, I'm pretty competitive. Oh yeah. Right now. My girlfriend's from the Philippines too. So she's Asian. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't, I tell her that's already, I should already get a curve, uh, you know, in schooling because of it, because, you know, we got a stereotype. So we went through and her and I were neck and neck for the first one. And I remember this. You'll get a kick out of this story. I said, we're on our last test and we have a bet that we're going to buy each other dinner on who, who gets the top spot in class, number one. So I get done and she gets done with her test before I did. I brought mine up and I, and he, and I said, well, what do you think, professor? And he goes, well, Mark, you know, I can't, I can't discuss other students' papers with you, <laughs> but she is going to have a good restaurant to pick out. And I'm like, oh, my and so she beat me by, I don't know, four points. And man, oh. I've, I've lived that ever since that day. So mm -hmm. so I did have fun going back and having a little bit of college. You know, college wasn't for me, Josh. I don't know if yeah. you heard my story. You know, I, I'm surprised that I'm an author and in, in what I do now. I'm more of a, a you know, it's just like you said, there's a, education comes different ways. Absolutely. And I went to the school of hard knocks. You know, it's this game of life that you play, right? Mm -hmm. You go off to the college or you go off working. 
and I tried college, man. I don't know why it wasn't for me. I just didn't, there wasn't a joy to it at all. I mean, maybe if I was playing sports in college, there, there would have been a little bit of joy, but you know, I just wasn't good enough for college. So there's a number of possibilities. One is that college wasn't for you. The other is that college wasn't for you because you didn't have the right supports. And mm. there are a lot of folks who think college isn't for them or who struggle academically because they don't think and learn the way they're taught. But those are some of the folks I like working with the best because I can help them learn how they learn and learn how to make it work for them. So much of learning is figuring out and realizing that you can't just take what the teacher gives you and just accept it at face value, that you need to put your own spin on it. You need to seek out stuff from other sources. You need to be in charge of your own education in the sense that you see the connection between what you're learning and what you want to do with your life. So finding that connection between the motivation, the goal, the vision, and what you're learning, and then make sure you're learning the right things from the right people. Sometimes it's a matter of it's not the right time, it's not the right place, or it's not the right subject. But I think that while, yes, there are definitely people who there are other better paths for them, I think there are also people who just need the right support and guidance to make college work for them and serve their goals. I think that's good advice too. You're, you're right. I didn't, you know, it's how my siblings are so different. You know, I'm the oldest boy mm -hmm. and uh, Jose's on here uh, thanking you for having his son in his S your SAT program. So yeah, Noah's great. It's a pleasure having him in class. Yeah. Jose, he's a, he's a good dude. Good leader. Good dad. I do talk a lot of smack about him though, but of course, if I didn't love him, I wouldn't talk about him at all. So, you know, I, my brother is a, you know, my brother has a master's degree in apologetics. You know what I mean? So he, you know, he's the bookworm. Even when he speaks and stuff like that, he likes notes and he's very organized. And I am so not, I'm such a visionary. I can do things off the cuff. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I can't write notes. I don't do any of that stuff. Even when I speak, mm -hmm. I don't have, I have a kind of an idea. This is where I'm going to go. And then the room will take me where I'm going. Exactly. I'm, I'm the same, same way. with the podcast. That's why I tried to D. Okay. Let's go over these questions. And you know what? Two questions in, bam, it goes, takes a left turn because of something somebody said. And I'm like, For sure, it's, it's got to flow. It's, it's got to flow where it's meant to flow. <laughs> That's correct. And one thing I did tell my my boys, though, and my daughter about college, isn't it funny? I couldn't stand it, but all my kids went. Mm -hmm. So they all did some sort of college. And I've encouraged them all. I said, I'll tell you what, in a, as a businessman, what I needed the most that I could have gotten out of college. And I wish I had a mentor push me to do this was English on how to write proper, how to write properly business letters. Yes. You know, how to formulate your thoughts onto paper and use the language properly. I right? mean, that, that notion of communication, both written communication, verbal communication yeah. and nonverbal communication in in purpose, meet, in person meetings and body language. Those three forms of communication are absolutely crucial. And strengthening your communication skills is a huge part of high school, college life. The other thing I think, and what part of what I encourage folks to think about in terms of deciding if and where to go to college, is to focus on relationships. Who do you need to know and connect with in order to get where you're called to get in life? 
and going to schools where you can meet those professors, make those connections, meet those peers. Folks that are going into business, going to a high-level business school is not just about what you learn, it's about who you meet that are eventual investors in your businesses. Um, when you talk about the credentials, there are some fields where you need a certain degree or you need a certain credential to be taken seriously. So it's yeah. really, it's the skills and knowledge, it's the relationships, and it's the credentials. Those are the three things that you're going to college for. And what your desired field is, what your desired path is, depends on where is the right place to get those. And the other is just the quality of the experience itself. Um, like your son who did the uh, uh, the scuba diving and the uh, spelunking and different things. You want a place you're going to enjoy the process of going to school. You want somewhere you actually want to live. So that matters too. I th Yes, that, that's 100%. I think, I think that... That's 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 a couple things I, I said because I'm more of an entrepreneur. I said that I needed I need to understand accounting. Mm -hmm. I need to understand. I need to do speech so I can get up and talk to people. Because yep. you're not going to be an entrepreneur and you can't talk to people. It's just it doesn't work. Absolutely, being an entrepreneur more than selling a product or a service, but selling a vision. And if you yeah. can't speak and sell that vision, you're not going to have people follow you. Correct. Well, I think that, and I encourage them. I said, if you're going to do anything, at least go down there and get these general ed so you have an understanding of life because anything, all those things are going to come back and help you in life. Mm -hmm. There's just, there's just not a, there's just no way that that won't, that won't be something that serves you well. And so I just didn't do that. So it took me a long time to uh you know i had to go over hurdles and and different things because i couldn't there's certain things that i couldn't do and you know i watched my 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 dad also he's still with us and stuff but I, my dad's often talk you know he would he would uh josh he would it's kind of a bummer when i listen to my dad talk about it because he tears up about it he says he was so good with people he could manage multi-million dollar companies Companies wanted him to go to VP and my dad would turn it down on the on the on the men's that he couldn't he couldn't spell well mm. and he felt like he couldn't do it. And I said, Dad, man, that's why you hire people. Exactly. Okay. You hire people who can do what you can't or can do things better than you. So yes. much when you get to a certain level is about who you surround yourself with and who you bring in to execute your vision. Yes. I, and you know, and I see him look back on, on probably opportunities that, that passed him by on the simple fact he didn't have the confidence mm -hmm. to do it. And then maybe not realize you just hire somebody to do all that stuff. I know that's what I do when I, you know, I'm not an organized human being. So I get people around me that, that can do that. Mm -hmm. I'm a visionary. I'll, I'll take you to your next level and I'll, I'll coach you right where you need to go and, and get you all riled up and, and, you know, see you through difficult times, but I'm not, you know, I get people around me that, that can shine what I do. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that, I think that's so good. I guess that's what you're doing here is when you're help coaching, how do you, well, give me, give me an example. Give me an example of some of the young kids are like, you know, hey, coach, you know, I, I'm just struggling and, and how you take them to get through their struggles and onto the next thing and, and have their breakthrough that they need to have. So a great example is math. 
there are a lot of kids who think they suck at math. But the reality is they just haven't had a teacher who knows how to teach the math the way they learn. So with kids like that, it's about helping them to realize that it is not their fault, that there is a difference between intelligence and knowledge. Knowledge is just knowing shit. You either know it or you don't. You may not have been exposed to it. You may have been taught it then forgot it, but it's just, it's gaps in your knowledge. That doesn't mean you're not smart. That doesn't mean you don't have the ability. Intelligence is your, is your intellectual horsepower, is your ability to do stuff with your knowledge, is how you put the pieces together, how you create the vision, how you execute. But if you don't have those pieces of knowledge, you can't use the intelligence properly. So part of it is helping them to figure out where the gaps in their knowledge are and to fill in those gaps and to recognize that getting something wrong or making a mistake is not something to be ashamed of or to beat yourself up about. It's an opportunity for growth and learning and fixing it. So you should be happy when you get something wrong because that's your chance to improve on it and fix it. So then every time they get a question wrong, it's, all right, let's dig in and see how we can fix this. Let's figure out where that gap in the foundation is. But then a lot of people that are more visionary, a lot of people that see the big picture, can't learn how to do math step by step. When teachers try to dumb it down and make it easier, it actually makes it harder. So what they need is to see the full picture. They need to know not just what the formula is, but why that's the formula, what it means, where it comes from. And then once they get it, it becomes easy. So they don't get it because it's being taught at too low a level, not because it's being taught at too high a level. So it's being able to figure out those kids and what they need and teaching it in a way that they can see how all the pieces fit together. So, Josh, you're more than just coaching SATs. If you oh, yeah. are, if if people are needing help in, in navigating even classes, then that's that's something else that you do then. Is that correct? For sure. So the way I, I used to jokingly say, I will teach and coach my students in anything they need, even if I have to teach myself first. And got me in trouble once. Had a student came to me. She was brilliant. She had actually already gone up 550 points on the SAT working with me, um, which is still to this day the record. And her mom says, Josh, you'll help Jeannie get into college? I said, of course. So she showed me her transcripts, her grades, her activities. We was, were working out the strategy. She's like, I wanted to get into a good school and get a full scholarship. So we can do this. And then I realized that even though she has a perfect 4.0 GPA, she never got less than an A in a class. She was so afraid of getting a B. She took the easy way out. She didn't take the harder classes. In fact, she had taken honors physics. God forbid she got a C on the first test and she dropped down to regular physics. So I said, Susan, uh, this isn't going to work for the top schools because there's three legs of the stool. There's your grades. There's your standardized test scores. And there's academic rigor. There's how much you've challenged yourself. And she's going to fail on that third leg. So she looks at me and she says, so Josh, how do we fix this? She was a business person. She had never gone to college. This was her uh, first daughter going to college. And so like, how do we fix it? I said, well, it's not going to be easy. In fact, it may even be too little too late, but it's worth a try. Here's what I recommend. Even though she's already dropped honors physics, have her take the AP physics test in May without taking the class and shock the hell out of everyone by getting a four or five on it. And then have her take at least three AP classes as a senior, get A's or high B's in all of them, and write an essay about learning from mistakes and embracing challenge. She loved the idea. Her daughter loved the idea. And the other shoe dropped. She said, so Josh, 
You'll teach Genie AP Physics? Mm. Yes. <laughs> AP Physics was my worst class in high school. In fact, it was the only class in high school I got a B for the year in instead of an A. So I went to the high school, met up with an uh, old teacher. It wasn't one of my teachers, but I knew the guy. He gave me a bunch of books and said, good luck teaching her AP Physics. So I read the books. I did the practice. I taught myself AP Physics. So I could teach it to Jeannie. After a bunch of one-on-one -on -one coaching in AP Physics, she got her four on the AP Physics test. She got A's in the high B in AP Calc history and bio as a senior. And she ended up with a full ride honors program, University of Delaware, uh, where she was a biomedical engineering and kinesiology double major. And she just graduated from University of South Carolina Medical School last year. So <laughs> I awesome. took on a challenge that I was not prepared for because I knew one of my people needed it. And that to me is one of my favorite aspects of what I do is the chance to learn alongside my students and model for them how to learn things that are challenging. That's why I've had great success with MCAT clients, even though I never took organic chemistry, uh, helping them prep for med school and improve their scores and get into medical schools. I love the process of learning and showing how it can be a source of joy instead of stress. I love taking a playful, explorative approach to the whole process of not just learning its topic or learning how to get into a college or career or grad school, but learning who you are and what you're destined to do. That's what brings me joy, is helping people choose that growth and do it in a way that's fun. That's my best compliment is when people tell me they're shocked at how fun it was. Yeah, that that well that that definitely is a that definitely is a uh I've never seen school to be fun. Well, it was fun when I went as an older because I have yeah. a different appreciation for exactly. it. And and I have different life where I really don't care. Mm -hmm. Uh I care about how well I do, but I'm not gonna beat myself up every day because yeah. I don't do well. You know what I mean? And that, I that's part of it is embracing the things you can control and letting go of the parts you can't that I love winning. I'm a very competitive person like you. That's right. Let's but go. It's, but it's not about winning. It's about fighting to win. It's not just about the outcome. It's about the growth in the process of striving for the outcome. And that's where the real joy is. And I think letting go of the attachment to the ultimate outcome and focusing on the process makes it such a greater joy, whether it's school or whether it's any kind of competition. I hundred percent super kindred, super kindred spirits in that same thing. That's the mindset of when I, even when I was competing, when I was doing all the stuff that I did in world championships and stuff like that, it really, sometimes the wins a letdown. to be honest yep, with yep. you. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's over. Yeah. You know? And then I, you got to kind of dabble into what's next so that you can build it to the next, to the next thing. So it's so true. And if that's the mindset you're given, you know, you ought to stop calling yourself coach and start calling yourself sensei yeah. because it's about the same thing, you know, sensei part of means teacher anyway. So sure. I think that that is a, uh, such a, a powerful thing that you're doing students wise. Now you're able to do this from, uh, afar, right? Whether you, yes. you get on with them and, and, and have a zoom you know why i can tell right here just being with you for a little bit josh i mean we got to see each other a little bit but you know being here with you and listening to you talk 
um, the reason people gravitate towards you or how they gravitate towards me is the passion of what we have for what we do. Absolutely. And I can feel it. I can feel it even through the through here that you just dig it. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, this is this is joy. This is love. This is when you lead with love and pour love into everything you do, you just show up different. And I think that kids are amazing bullshit detectors, uh, much better than adults. And yes. if you are not fully aligned with who you are and what you're doing, if you're not walking the talk of what you say, they see right through you and they tune you out immediately. So when kids come across someone who is legit and who is who they say they are and who cares about them so much they can't help but care about themselves more, it lands and it works. But yeah, I do this from anywhere. I'm actually going to be in Texas for the next three weeks. I'll be coaching just as normal from there. Uh, and it actually, as horrible as COVID and the pandemic was for so many people, for me, it was a gift because it kicked me out of my complacency and made me grow. All of a sudden, in-person local SAT coaching wasn't a thing. And I had three months of no income. So what did I do? I posted on social media. I did my first SAT class on Zoom, had about 100 people. I was vulnerable and 100 people shared the post. And I had over 20 kids in that first group SAT class on Zoom. And since then, I've had clients in 17 states and six countries. It's, awesome. it's remarkable how the way the world has shifted has enabled me to reach and help so many more people. That's the weirdest thing about it, right? It it didn't. I can see how it, it it goes well there. When in the height of COVID, of course, we started already just going ahead and doing classes online and doing all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But teaching martial arts, especially something like jujitsu, mm -hmm. that's just not jujitsu. Is a I mean, you're 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 face to face, and you gotta you, you gotta put hands on. Yeah, you know, I can teach you know how to how to punch and how to move and stuff like that, but. Mm -hmm. You know, we kept our, our business alive, but it never reached. You know, I think the technology is probably about 10 to 15 years away. Yes. But imagine when you can actually wear a VR suit Correct. and grapple with someone in another country in real time. It's, awesome. it's so it's awesome, right? Incredible. Yeah, I, I, I can see that at some point, how, how, how awesome that would be. So, but, you know, we grew through that also. Now, one thing it did do. It does two things, right? So here's the thing, Josh. When I when I got done, when you and I were, because I think you won in the competition too, right? You were you were one of the winners of the speaker compos that we um, were just in. No, I I won the one in Niagara Falls last year. Niagara Falls last year. Okay, that was yours. That came okay. in second place there. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I've been, I'll I've tell been, you what I've that story not quite reaching that high since, but got San Antonio <laughs> coming up next week. So that, that's awesome. Uh, I'll be in San Antonio on the 17th. I'm going to uh, Daniel Gomez's mm -hmm. thing. Nice. But, you know, the speaker competitions that we did in, in New Jersey, mm -hmm. that story you just you just told, though, that's a powerful story about about how what you did and about how you help people with mindsets. And then if you can't do it, you figure out how to do it to help somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you tell that story. That's a speech story right there. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, listen to that, man. And then she went to med school and all that. Come on. You know, you can't sit, sit back and just go, man, that's flipping awesome. Okay. Cause I, in my head, I'm like, there's no way I'm picking up a bunch of AP books mm -hmm. 
and and trying that. You know what I mean? I just I just couldn't do it. Daniela's on saying hi. Hey Daniela. And so yeah, she'll I, also I, I be think, in San Antonio for uh, Jesse and Desiree's event. <laughs> I think that I don't know. I think about that story, bro, mm -hmm. that you just told, and uh, it was it was just something that was. So after that, after the here's a power of Zoom that we're kind of talking about after the competition in New Jersey. You know, I evaluated myself pretty good, you know, because that's what I do when I and I compete anyway. When I compete, man, I compete to win. I don't compete to oh, yeah. to show up. Okay. It's just not my mindset. Mm -hmm. And I've done that once before in a world championship. I, I, I talked about it. That was my speech on my mindset wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And I lost a, a just a whole year of training mm -hmm. lost in a second. Right. And so I decided that, uh, I decided that, okay, when I go back, I'm going to, I'm looking up this Toastmasters thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And that Toastmaster thing, I've been killing it nice. in that thing. And I was amazed at going in there. There's really good. I like getting apps. I like getting feedback right after your speech. Mm -hmm. I like being evaluated. Absolutely. Um, That's how you grow. That's how you learn. Right. And, and I killed it my first time. I mean, you know, I have a little bit of an edge because I, I do this podcasting and I, and I'm comfortable in a group, but I wish it was live. That's the only thing, right? Yeah, because there's, there's a different I energy. See, when I use my hands and stuff all the time. Yes. But one of the one of the things he tells he goes, your hands go out of camera all the time. Mm. See, I don't think about that on stage. Right. I'll be like, man, yeah. let's go. Because on, on stage, you want to be bigger. Yes. Yeah. Right? Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. And so they're saying you got to have a little bit more closer to your face and stuff like right. that. And so I was like, it was but just it's those little things eight. that you don't think about when you're doing it because you just flow, you just do. That's correct. And it's so it, it's. Uh, it's it was it's been so awesome being part of the Toastmasters mm -hmm. that my last compliment from him, he goes, the last they, they, well, I don't know, we had a lieutenant from somewhere on there and he goes, you had the makings of making an international speaker mm. uh, in, in Toastmasters. And I said, when can I do it? Yeah. And he goes, you got to I guess you have to go through some steps because mm -hmm. I tell everybody I told my my group, I said, listen, if nobody's speaking. I will speak every single time if nobody mm -hmm. wants to step up and do it. So if you need a filler or, yep. or whatever, and then there's an evaluator too. So you, I, I'm going to do an evaluation on somebody mm -hmm. uh, next, you know, so I can learn how to be a coach in what right. I do. Right. And so uh, that New Jersey thing was, was, uh, but you got powerful stories, Josh, man. I, mm -hmm. he, when you go to San Antonio, I think you need to speak about that on what you did there and, and the mindset of how you help get the mindset right and, and bring joy into learning. The kids are so Josh, how stressed are these kids? And my kids hated high school, bro. Yeah. Okay. Do you know well, anybody that just calls up and says, man, I just high school is the best thing ever since sliced bread. It's so there's funny. a few, but they're rare. Yeah, but they're the bookworms, right? They're the ones that not necessarily. Thrive. They're often the drama kids. They're the ones that like are just so invested in some other aspect of high school that it just the joy sort of spills over into the classes. Or the ones that just love achieving whatever's put in front of them. Uh, are the ones that sort of love high school. Or the ones that don't really care so much about the grades are sort of naturally smart enough to get decent grades with a minimum of effort. 
but they're the ones it's about helping them figure out what would happen if you actually took off the parking brake? What would happen if you actually tried? What could you accomplish then instead of right. doing the minimum to get an acceptable result? That, exactly. That's all true. So true. So true. Yeah. So true. Back to your talk about sort of the competitive and the speaking. I haven't beaten myself up over not placing in recent speaking competitions. And the first one I did, well, the first one I did, I went over time, so I was disqualified. The, the second one I did was Niagara Falls last year for the Mike Story event with Jesse and Desiree Cruz. And I was absolutely blown away by how incredible the speakers were and just the way they transformed their pain into passion, into purpose, the incredibly traumatic stories and what they've been through. And I, just, I had serious imposter syndrome. I was like, I don't belong on the same stage as these folks. They are so much more powerful, so much more inspirational. I just, I, I don't have those stories. I don't have those experiences. I just can't compete. So I went up and in my first speech, I talked about how when I was 14 years old, I literally fell off a mountain and got lost alone in the Ural Mountains of Russia uh, for over seven hours. And I told that story. And then... The next day was a seven-minute business story, and I talked about what I do and how I transform lives. And they came out at the end and said that the judges were deadlocked, and they could not come to a consensus. But there were three finalists. I was absolutely in shock when they called me out as one of those three finalists. And they pulled the word out of the hat, like you saw in New Jersey. Uh -huh. uh, and I got community, and I killed it. And I thought, you know... As much as I did not expect or thought I would be on that stage as a finalist, once we did those one-minute speeches, I thought I was going to win. So I was disappointed, of course, when I didn't. At the same time, the people I was competing against were so incredible. You can't, you can't think, oh, my God, I should have won. I was robbed. No, not at all. I was competing against incredible, incredible speakers and human beings, and the ones who won deserve to win. But at the same time, when you compete again and you don't place, you think, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? How can I learn and grow from this? And part of it is, I think the universe often gives us not what we want, but what we need. And part of what I needed was to set my ego aside and focus less on the competition and more on just becoming a more and more powerful speaker better able to connect, better able to inspire, better able to use my words to help people grow, whether they're my clients or not. And then the chips will fall where they fall. I'll win or I won't as is needed or important at that moment. But that if I really go in and deliver so much value, then ultimately it doesn't matter if I win or not. So, so good. So good. Cause I had that same, you know, I talked to Emilio and Danielle about it, you know, afterwards. I'm like, man, and I it, listen, <clears throat> I, I told the story, too, when I had to compete. And when you have to compete against a disability, mm -hmm. that is a hard road, oh, right? Yeah. Because, first of all, you seem like a dick if you want to beat them. Right. Mm -hmm. you, so, you know, you're like, I'm just an asshole. But you and also so, seem like a dick if you don't, if you go right. easy, because then you're not respecting them. That's right. It's, it's just damned like, if you're too damned if you don't. You know, it's like fighting a girl. You know, you know they can <laughs> punch you and you can't punch them back. You know what I mean? In 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 martial arts class. Mm -hmm. And so, 
I knew that when I was speaking, when, when you have uh, the last one in New Jersey, you know, I would have probably went a different direction after reading the room because all the speakers mm-hmm. had these these stories of, you know, uh, you know, Marilyn with losing her her baby and and, and dealing with nine eleven, or a female that's coming out of this uh, relationship where she's getting the shit beat out of her, and she becomes this champion out of it. You know what I mean? Those are things that are hard to hard to you know beat as far as competition wise Mm -hmm. you know and so you think on okay how how do you move the room how do you move the room in 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 speaker competitions and i had yeah i had to evaluate myself i i I spent a lot of time that weekend evaluating Mm -hmm. like what the freak am i doing wrong that's pissing me off Mm -hmm. right and you know i i uh sometimes the answer is you're not doing anything wrong (laughs) that's correct that's the same conclusion i came with I said, okay, you're not doing anything wrong. It's not your subject. It's not that I'm not moving somebody. It's, it's, you know, maybe whatever the judges are too, you know, that all comes into play too. Whatever kind of moves them at that time. And that's a parallel when students are trying to get in to the Harvards and the Sanfords and the NYUs and the elite colleges that accept less than 5%. You can have a perfect SAT score. You can have a 4.0 GPA. You can have 10 AP classes and still not get in because a lot of people at that level have all that. So the question isn't, how can I compete with that? How can I do what they're doing? Because ultimately, the only person you're truly competing with is you. So the question is, how can you more fully embody absolutely unapologetically and authentically everything you are and encapsulate that into a speech how you how can you be not more of what they are but how can you be even more mark cox how can you truly truly lean into what makes you you in a way that makes you stand out and leaves no doubt yeah all all good yeah all awesome advice for sure 100 percent. i i uh I learned a lot. I learned a lot that weekend. And that's why I decided, I said, well, I'm going to do this Toastmaster things. Mm-hmm. I looked at it a long time ago and never really kind of, kind of did it. Cause I didn't really have the passion for it. Like I do now, you know, now it's a different thing. It's, it's something that I want to do now. I want to take my martial arts, like you said, from the mat until into every, every, everyday life. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much about, uh, um, I've learned so much about myself on that mat on how, and how it goes into what we do out on, in, in the real world that I, it, it needs to be shared, you know? Um, yeah, Danielle, she's always, she's always in the background mm-hmm. pushing me, you know, pushing. So oh, she's amazing. talk about an absolutely incredible human being that's making a mark on this world and on everyone that comes in, into her orbit. Yeah. She's awesome, man. She's awesome. And I taught her how to break a board. Nice. Plus, because we said it was Emilio's face. So there's that. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> and so we did, we definitely had fun, fun doing that. Yeah, it was, it was good, man. It was, it was a, uh, probably the most powerful thing that happened to me. You know, you, th- <laughs> isn't it weird? We're, uh, uh-huh. 
we're we're there uh, to launch books, mm-hmm. but it's the competition that kind of pushed me over. There's two things I learned over there, Josh, to be honest with you. There's two things that I learned. First of all, I was trying to uh, understand myself. I was real quiet after the competition. You know, I was just kind of listening to speakers and taking notes, sitting in the back of the room so I can observe everything. Mm-hmm. And I observed a couple of things there. There's a lot of speakers, but not a lot of listeners. Mm. And what started in the more, I I almost felt bad for him, right? At the end of the day, because I did not leave that room until the last speaker was done. I just felt that, hey, if if you're here to import some wisdom, then I'm going to stick here and I'm going to listen to it. I came Mm -hmm. here for this weekend to listen. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And I thought it disrespectful on how many people, you know, by lunchtime, they go have lunch, they don't come back and they're, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever life gets in their way. But I saw the poor last speaker of the day and I'm like, hardly anybody's in this room listening to. And he had some good stuff. Dude. Yeah, I was I was second last. So I definitely I felt that. Right. And I remember you being there, and but I got a lot out of yours. I couldn't wait to have you on podcasting after listening to you to you talk. Thank you. Right, but do you understand what I'm saying there? Because you I were do. second to last, right? And I'm just like, man, why do why do you why are you doing that? If you're going to show up, show up, man. You got you got to show up in everything you do. You don't show up just to be the 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 main event on the stage and get your stuff out to sell whatever book it is. And you got to be there pushing everybody else up, pushing everybody to the front making everybody rise and be in there because it is hard. What I can, I can teach you one-on-one just like I can do a class of 25 or 30 people. Mm-hmm. I, I thrive on the energy. I love mm-hmm. the energy of a big class, For you know, sure. get me all amped up, but I'm going to do the same thing. One-on-one. You're going to get a hundred percent of me one-on-one just like you get a hundred percent. class. Yeah. There's no in between you show up and you show up big, you show up, as you are and you give. And that doesn't matter if it's a small group, if it's large group, if it's one-on-one, really how we do one thing is how we do everything. Whether it comes to fitness, whether it comes to um, education, whether it comes to um, health, whether it comes to relationships, whether it comes to business, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And if one of those spheres of life is out of whack, it inevitably impacts the others. 100%. Yeah, that's those are the two big takeaways I took away you know, I, I've already kind of started. I've already got the cover kind of working on the cover of my next book. My next book, I figured I wanted something along. You know, how you got you you guys, uh, you know, Jose's winning the day, yours, College of the Dreams, and kind of giving them step by step. I wanted to go in that direction next. And so I, I'm my next book is is titled Black Belt Tactics, Strategies in Life and Business. Nice. And taking the the strategies of getting to a, becoming a black belt, and how do you implement these into into life, right? And into these principles, and you're going to see they intercede. Everything mm-hmm. kind of intercedes any any anyway. People are just mesmerized by by black belts. I don't know why they just they just are. They it's it's there's 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 a mystique around it, or there's a confidence around it. It's put me in places that I can never. Thing. Now you wanted to be a president. I don't know if you know this about me, but I got to tie a black belt around Ronald Reagan nice. in his office. You know, I got to give him an honorary black belt. So he's on my black belt wall and his chief of staff at the time. 
That's uh, awesome. You know, I was in his office and I tied a black belt around Ronald Reagan's and we talked about martial arts and he wanted to know how to punch. And I don't really, I don't understand how auspicious that occasion was until I look back on it now. Cause my oldest boy now was in that room too. He was a little kid, you know, he was trying to pull Reagan, you know, down and, you know, Reagan gave us a, a, a pen and a, and a yo-yo and I was able to, when Michael got married, I made a shadow box of that time. I said, this oh, is the yo-yo so cool. that president Reagan gave you. This is what it is. And, and I said, you don't, you're not even going to understand how auspicious that was. Mm. And I've seen that you've got a couple, you know, it looks like you got a, a couple pictures with some presidents. It looked mm -hmm. like you had Obama and you had Clinton out there. Yep. And uh, yeah, I got a chance to intern in the white house back in 99. Uh, that was a fascinating experience. Okay, now we got to talk about that. So you got to be inside the White House and intern. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about that experience. I want to know what that's about. So it all started when I was registering for classes that semester. And you have, it was the first time we had our computerized class scheduling system. So none of the prerequisites were loaded in. So you could literally schedule yourself for whatever class you wanted. And I think it was better to ask forgiveness than permission. So I scheduled myself for a graduate level political speech writing class. Uh, and I was the only undergrad in the class. Um, Professor Mark Siegel, it was Mondays 6 to 10 and 9.58 p.m. on one of the classes. He said, oh, before I forget, a former student of mine is running the White House intern program this uh, semester. If you're interested, let me know. So I go up to him after class. I'm like, I'd love to intern in the White House. I have no idea if it's open to undergrads or just grad students. He's I don't know either. Here's his number. Call him. Tell him I said hi. So I called, I talked to him. He said, well, we, we're filled up for this semester, but you can apply for next one, but don't get your hopes up because thousands of people apply for every spot. I said, thank you so much. Gave him my address. He sent me, he was going to send me out this stuff. I said, oh, and Mark Siegel says, hi. He says, wait, you know Mark? I said, yeah, he's my speech writing professor. He pauses a beat and he said, all right, you start tomorrow morning, eight o'clock. <laughs> it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, absolutely. So how was that? What kind of experience was that being in the White House? Oh, it was great. It was great meeting the other interns. It was great babysitting members of the press before the press briefings. Uh, got to do like sort of the press clippings at four in the morning uh, that the president first uh, and vice president would read. Anything in all the magazines and newspaper articles that mentioned them or their policies. Um, it was just a fascinating, fast-paced environment. So you wanted, you know, you had a childhood dream of being the president mm -hmm. after be, after being in the environment. How, and how, how does that how does that dream look today? Oh, even more so. It's something that what is it? It's like Fight Club. Uh, if you want to be president, you don't talk about wanting to be president. Uh, so all these senators that want to be president sort of learn to shut up about it. But to me, being president is about leverage. It's about the leverage of the attention you get and the actual levers of power that you have access to, to truly make a difference in people's lives and to work together with people that agree with you and people that you don't agree with you to actually make the structures of society better serve people and helping them achieve their goals and helping us achieve common goals. So I still think it's something that if cards go a certain way, I would love to compete for someday. That's awesome. You never know, you never know. Mm -hmm. What can what what can come? You know, I did local politics here and mm -hmm. I, I realized a lot just doing that locally on on uh, neighborhood councils. And I realized just how. We don't have as much. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, we just don't have as much. So. 
But I'll tell you what, man. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's wrap this up now that we got the uh, that that story out of the way. I know you got other commitments you got to you got to do. You got students to to go with. So let's get ready and rock and roll, Josh. I had a, this, I had a good hour fantastic. with you. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I'll have this out in audio later today. It'll be out in audio also, and then you can just go ahead and share it on your platform. I gave you a yes. YouTube link so you can share that out. That they they can what they can watch that live on what we just did. Awesome. And now you have something also. Hey, listen, you want to listen a little bit of what what I do? You can go to our podcast when you're starting to get it. I'll put you out in my. I have a lot of students here, and now I have somebody that hey, when when you want to look at college, mm-hmm. um, you know. And that's something I'll talk to you a little bit later about too. Maybe the, maybe there's some other avenues to look at, even for my, my girlfriend's son, who's mm-hmm. wanting to be, uh, you know, he's going to be a physical therapist. And now you got to, you got to go to the next level. It's not just a, yeah, I actually thing. just had a client getting, applying for her doctorate of physical therapy uh, schools and she got in everywhere. She applied significant scholarship money uh, and actually got into places that her boyfriend with a higher GRE score didn't get in. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this, and and let's see, and and I'll have Cat get on with me, and we'll we'll see what you can help with her son, and and, and give us directions on what to do. Sound good? That would be my pleasure. This has All been right. so much fun. Talk to you soon, All right, Josh. We'll see you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at markcox.com. Till next time, keep it real.